Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. Hi, and welcome to another podcast from Disruptive HR, where we talk to people who are just doing things a bit differently. Could be that they are actually HR directors or HR professionals, or they could be around the HR profession. You know, we've had coaches, exec search, and so on. But today, we've actually got my accountants. And um, I, I can imagine that that might be a slight surprise to some people. And we think, well, why are you asking the head of an accounting firm that deals primarily with smaller businesses to come and talk about people stuff? Um, well, let me just tell you the accountant name for one thing. The accountancy firm is called Wow. And I remember when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, my God, I've got to go and check these guys out. And I am delighted to welcome Paul Bullpit, who's the founder of WOW. Hi, Paul. Hi, Lucy. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure. So we're going to talk about how you lead differently. And I should just kind of say a little bit. And yeah, I'm going to big you up a bit because I've had different accounting firms I've worked with in the past. I actually worked for an accounting firm for a brief period. Um, wasn't the happiest time of my life uh, professionally. <laughs> uh, but you guys are genuinely different and you everybody we've met from wow have been fantastic you know just really obviously technically you know everything that you need from an accountant but just a different type of can-do attitude and a different kind of style friendly warm so was that the intention when you set up wow I mean, you were obviously going to do something different because just by the name, calling it WOW, was that the intention then to really focus on the, the people side of it? Yeah, um, massively. So so we we started out with, uh, we, we started from scratch. So it wasn't like we we started with a big team. So to some extent, the people bit came later. But the the bit that was different from the start was actually... Uh, and you, you like you referred to our name. So most certainly at that time, early 2000s and for 200 years previously, most <laughs> accounting firms were called Smith, Jones and Co. Right. Yeah. So the partners names. It was about the partners. It was about yeah. the name on the desk. It was about yeah. the gold cafetiere. Right. Um, whereas the, the bit that I, I really wanted to flip was to make it about the business owner, make it about the, the person. And I think that actually drove uh, a lot of what came subsequently. And then obviously what comes from that is when you start hiring people and the, the team grows quickly, like you can only have people that also share that, that care and uh, that like humanity, if you like. So when we set up Disruptive HR, we got some funny looks, you know, and that was what, six years ago, uh, because people kind of didn't really associate HR, HR with disruption. And so that was deliberate on our part. Um, now it's kind of less of an issue. Did you get some sort of funny looks when you named, when people asked you what your new business was going to be called? Um, uh, massively, and, and probably we still do today, I, I guess. <laughs> so, like 15, 20 years on, people sort of like, um, 
it, it's not in doubt that, that that you do a good job. But certainly at the start, there are probably even family members that were um, muttering under their breaths, "What what on earth are you doing?" Um, but it, but it's always a confidence boost, isn't it, when your family members <laughs> kind, of, kind of say, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly that. But I think a bit like, so it would have been really easy for you to trade off the back of your name personally and your reputation with disruptive HR. But actually, you called your business disruptive HR. And actually, you can't be middle of the road. You can't call yourself disruptive HR and be middle of the road. Same thing for WOW. Calling ourselves WOW in some ways was this grand gesture that really set an expectation. You can't, you can't call yourself wow and then be average. And that goes. I think you're a lot braver. I mean, what we were doing was talking about disrupting, um, you know, an area of of activity, function in an organisation. We weren't kind of trying to set a standard with our name. I suppose in a way we were, but but yours was much braver. I think to go with the with the whole wow thing that that took some guts. P- p- possibly naive at the time, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm glad we did it. Served us really well. So let's let's get into it then. So, um, you, how many people have you got now? Uh, so we've got just under forty people at Wow in total. Okay, and have you kind of handpicked every one of those, or how do you go about finding people that are going to support your vision, your brand? It's um, it, it's it's hard, isn't it? I suppose we're, we're at a point now where we're able to hand pick and with certainly what i'd say is a lot easier now is we get a lot more people coming to us saying oh i really I really want to work for you um so th- th- that's a benefit but i think i think recruitment in any industry is hard and it's patient and it's uh we've got this phrase i can't, I can't remember where we lifted it for but kelly at wow who leads most of our recruitment says it's a, a hell yes or a an, an F no, basically. I won't swear on your podcast, um, but but which is actually like a really great bar because you you know what it's like when you yeah. you think oh we could really do with some people and there's a temptation to take the best candidate available. Well, it's attempting to take a warm body sometimes. <laughs> Someone you know, with a like, pulse just to yeah. they got a pulse, get them in. My God, we're so desperate, particularly small businesses where there's just no space. You know um, exactly that. But you, you, I was going to say there's no space to carry people, but um, when we've spoken before, you've talked about the fact that you do over-recruit. You do, you have a complement of people that is more than you need. Yeah, so, so some, of that, some of that's a, a, a growth thing. So if you've got excess, in a professional services business, if you've got excess capacity, you've always got um, something to grow into. Um, uh, the other thing that that means is if you do get pushed, it, it's almost like an insurance policy. So the trade-off is there's a price to pay because we're almost certainly not as profitable. There's other professional services firms, other accounting firms, much more profitable than us. But actually, I see that as an insurance premium that we're mm-hmm. paying to make uh, not to make sure, but give us the best chance that we're not in a situation where we're so busy and the service fails, we're so busy and we just have to take anyone in. It just gives us a bit of breathing space. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's a really, you know, if if it's if it's you know in any way affordable, I think that that is that safety net, which means that you don't diminish the, the offering, you don't dilute it, and you're not then kind of forced and it doesn't force your hand into having to take somebody who isn't you know somebody that would get the hell yes from 
from Kelly. Yeah. So yeah. What, when 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 you're kind of when you see someone and it's a hell yes rather than an f no, um, what are they like? What is the what is the type of person? Oh, really, um, really good. So, so obviously, as you said before, there's a there's a, a level of technical expertise or technical ability that's table stakes. Uh, even if that's a, a graduate hire, like there's a, a level of sort of like numeracy and uh, literacy, I suppose you call it some some like basic core skills that we look for. Um, beyond that, it's uh, we do a, we do a load of tests to see what people are like in terms of communicating. So I suppose if the, if there's anything, it's really uh, two things. One is about communication skills. Like I think especially now looking into the future, where more and more people are working remotely, those sort of like yeah. basic communication skills are like really important. You probably can teach them, but it's quite hard. It'd be better to have people who enjoy communicating, good, yeah. good communicators already. Uh, and then the, the second thing is trying to pin down that that humanity or that kindness or the care and consideration. So to, to give you, an, it, sometimes it's easier to look at what, what we wouldn't take. So people that come through the door and tell us how great they are and what they're looking to do and what they can do for the business so on and so forth they're almost certainly not the not the right fit because they're too too focused on themselves and I, like, I get that that works in some some businesses but for us what we need is people that are like asking how you are sometimes when we were back in the office interviewing uh, I'd always go and ask the person that had let them in the door mm. just to say like what what were they like do you know uh, anyone that didn't say thank you for opening the door wasn't yeah. pleasant. It's it's never going to work. And that, that might sound sound really basic, but no, I, think I, I used a... to do exactly the same at the BBC. So my assistant would kind of meet them at the lift because um, they had to be kind of always have an escort type thing in the in the building for security reasons. And it used to, you know, she would always tell me afterwards, you know, that, you know that 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 one's not going to work because they were dismissive, and then they'd be all smiles and charm when they met yeah. me and. You don't want that. You just really no. don't want that in your team, do you? No, it is. So tell me about the, and, and, you know, hopefully there's a kind of couple of things that you can kind of pull on because, um, you know, we would all kind of aspire to this idea of a great culture and, and great people. And, but yeah, how, how, what specific things do you do that differentiate you from the competition? as a as a leader as an environment for your people so so first up, i suppose what i'd say is we i'm not sat here thinking that we've cracked it this is um like absolutely a, a journey and there's still lots that we're figuring out um like overall what we're trying to do is to create an environment that people can come and do their best work basically they can come and and thrive and they're safe they have the support uh some of the stuff that i know that you talk about we just want people to bring their whole selves to work yeah you know you, um, <laughs> sometimes you have to like accept the like the flip side of that as well yeah. right but i think i think we gain an awful lot more by people having like the safety security to bring the whole selves to work but when when you and i were chatting a couple of weeks ago i didn't actually have all of the answers. I had a, a few ideas, uh, and you you encouraged me to go and speak to some of the team. And it was really uh, it was really interesting. I was, I was a little bit worried because I thought they might turn around and say, 
yeah, what I, I don't know why what I do work here. here. Yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah, exactly. Um, but 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 fortunately, it wasn't. And what what was interesting was some of the same themes came out. So there was obviously this thing about the overall environment. I think uh, trust was a was a really big thing. So, for example, we don't do timesheets. And that's uh, really, you know, for those people who haven't worked in a professional services firm, that's really unusual. I mean, you know, in most companies, you wouldn't be doing timesheets ordinarily. You know, you might do clock in or clock out or something. But for accountants, that's quite a big deal, isn't it? So that's how you measure whether you're you're kind of being productive. Yeah. So um, so t- t- timesheets is probably a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> um, but I remember having to complete timesheets myself and I hated it. And probably hopefully none of my old uh, employers are listening but you you end up like making it up at the end of the week and then it was someone's job to chase you to make up stuff to put on the timesheet so so I kind of like don't really buy into the whole timesheet thing anyway but for our team where they've worked in other firms where they have had to do timesheets it's quite a a shift to say well look I, I trust you do a good job you know what you need to do um these are sort of like your outputs we're more fussed on your outputs and your achievement and if you're done by four in the afternoon go and uh, sit in the pub go and uh go and socialize go to the gym do 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 what you want to do as long as like as long as your work's done kind of thing not really fussed about sort of like i I think timesheets encourages presenteeism yeah but the the thing that i'd not really appreciated until our conversation I went and spoke to some of the team was they said it's trust I feel trusted yeah um, and, and I just don't think you can underestimate what a massive deal that is you know I think you know when you get to a top of an organization um, you take it for granted as well you forget um, what it's like when you're when you're kind of coming through the ranks and and that sense of autonomy but equally someone saying look I'm there if you need me but you know, I'm going to, I trust you to do a good job. I trust you to use your judgment is a huge, it's a huge contributory factor. And I think so often leaders will kind of focus on the, but what are the risks of trust? And of course there are risks. It's scary, isn't it? You know, um, but they rarely ask themselves, but what are we, what are we risking losing by not trusting? Yeah. What levels of productivity, innovation, great talent leaving us, um, just people doing the bare minimum, uh, you know, the stifling environment, the, the ideas that don't come up, that we don't get to hear about because people are not feeling like they, you know, they, they, they want to contribute that. Um, we don't ask ourselves, what, what are we missing out? What are we losing by not trusting? Yeah. There's, so there's almost this thing that you end up creating a culture for the lowest common denominator, yeah. whereas actually most people like fundamentally want to do a good job. And I kind of see it as my job to, like, if something's not working, I don't think that many people turn up in the morning and think, I'm going to do a half-baked no, job. No. How can I create an environment where you can can do your best work? And even I think especially in the last uh, however long, year and a half, where we've been working remotely, um, uh, my mother said to me, actually, she said, so so how, how's it going? Is everyone is everyone working? I'm like, yeah. You yeah. should be doing everyone's working it's yeah. it's fine we had the tools we're set up to he said but how how do you know that everyone's working I'm like, well <laughs> kind of tr- trust that they are and actually the the challenge that we've had is people working too much yeah. certainly during like the phase of the crisis where we are our team at wow we're really sort of like first responders just on the phone to 
to people uh, all day. And like lots of, I think we all were as business owners, there was a period of like anxiety. We didn't really know what was going on, didn't know what to do. Uh, and actually our team, where they didn't have the separation of commuting, were just at their desks all day. Yeah. So, so I, I suppose that's an interesting situation to find ourselves in, not completely related to trust, but actually the problem we've got is the other way that people are working too much rather than yeah. not enough. And also because you can't go out and because you well, you can be kind of a bit more now, but you, and previously you couldn't go out, you couldn't go on holiday. There's there's no kind of natural break that might have you know yeah. occurred if you were going out for dinner or you're going away with friends or whatever. So. I think that, you know, certainly I'm conscious of it with our team, you know, we kind of, we are working longer hours and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's something we love doing, but that I think is something we need to, we need to check in on. So, so trust is the real biggie. Anything else that you specifically do? And um, so, so the, the, the other themes, the common themes that came up, so it sounds like really, um, what, what, what what's the word that I'm, I'm just like bigging ourselves up, but genuinely this is, this is what, um, this is the feedback that I had. So, so some of it was about like a, a relaxed atmosphere. Yeah. Not, um, not, uh, informal or unprofessional, but just actually, which, which probably comes from, from the, the trust thing. There's a big, uh, like family first thing that we have. And especially like during the crisis, being able to turn around to people and say, look, I don't care what else is going on family first uh, was a really strong message. And everyone knew that whatever they needed to do, whenever they needed yeah. to do it, they could just go off and, and do it. And I, th I think that was something that I thought was obvious and took for granted. But I think lots of our team had friends and family in other organizations where that definitely wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that, I think the family first thing, I think as we've grown with probably, growing faster than most sort of like traditional professional services firms there's always opportunities so i know that you've worked with fantasia at wow and so she joined us more or less out of university and where she's like as an individual has like put in the hard yards to to do the work she but she's also like lived wow's values there's just yeah. been so many opportunities for her she's ended up hosting our monthly team meetings she uh she's done qualifications that like, i don't think she would have got to have done in in any other firm just because she's kind of like ridden the way been part of it um so just I, um it was we kind of continue this mutual loving we just have to make the point that fantasia is a megastar <laughs> a megastar and if you ever move her off our, our account then this podcast is coming down it's going to be replaced with slander all over social media we just love her so yeah massive yeah. thank you what, what are the things that you find difficult as a leader because maintaining this kind of informal trust-based environment sounds you know lovely and happy and fun and and there are real upsides to it but it's not it's not easy no it's it's not it's not easy but i'd say it's it's a much easier way of doing things than sort of like a more sort of like hierarchical or sort of like authoritarian style of, of leadership i suppose Th things that are hard at the moment are knowing how people are like knowing how people are doing um, you know, Tom Peters talks about like management by walking around and in an office environment, you just see, don't you, you know, who 
who yeah. might need a chat or need a bit of support or yeah. uh, whereas working remotely someone can like turn it on for half an hour an hour for a video call yeah. uh, but once they close the screen you, you don't know what's happening so so I think I think that bit's hard at the moment more more generally there's um, probably the the bit that I find hardest is when it when it doesn't work out with someone and you know someone uh, and I, I think are you are you good at um, I don't mean good as in um are you comfortable with it because nobody likes doing it but do you think you deal with those issues quite quickly or do you take too long uh good, like very like very good question I think we're getting better at it I think we're getting better at I don't part of that comes from like the strength of the culture and being like really clearly defined what works and what doesn't for what all you say what all, all I said previously about the hell yeah like people can still um interview well they mm. can do a first good first couple of months and sometimes through no fault of their own it just doesn't work uh and like definitely previously we've taken way too long uh and I don't think that there's anyone that we've ever had to have that difficult conversation with that we've regretted letting go afterwards it amazes me the amount of leaders that were you know either i've i've helped them move somebody on or they've done it by another means and they've never ever said to me in kind of 20 years you know i wish i'd taken longer you know every single time it's like i knew i knew a year ago i knew two years ago i knew in their first week i knew but of course we want to give people the benefit of the doubt and we want to avoid that horrible moment where we tell people that they're not good enough or they're not right for us or, and we're frightened and anxious. And, you know, so, you know, let's not kind of kid ourselves in HR. We're all forever having conversations about, you know, we must deal with the difficult conversation and we must deal with poor performers. And it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. And I think all we can do really is just, is to kind of help the leader who needs to do it get to that decision as quickly as possible because it's it means that you just avoid the misery of of it going on too long but, but the irony is is i think that that's the kindest thing to do as well Absolutely. so you, you you defer it because you think it's the kind thing to do you want to give them every opportunity but i'm i'm sure you've seen it much more frequently than me the bit that gets me every time is i'm worried about the impact on the rest of the team so you kind of, you have the difficult conversation, go and speak to the rest of the team. You're like, oh, the number of times that they've said, oh, thank God. Oh, yeah, I, thank I, you, yeah. I didn't like to say. Why didn't you say? Why didn't you say? Yeah, um, exactly. But so, so I think what I, and I, I don't think I am kidding myself, but I think it's like working out the kind thing to do because ultimately if someone's there and it's clearly not right, prolonging it is not in anyone's best yeah. interest and yeah. actually what can I do to help them either figure this out for themselves or move them on to a role where they will be they will be happier exactly right well look we're going to draw it to a close because we're running out of time I think you know keep stuff from me is around you know that trust piece assuming good intent positive intent um the kindness piece I really like that I think kindness is a is a kind of an underused or, or or sort of maligned word actually but you know that just treating people kindly but kindness might also mean not not compromising and making sure you deal with the with the with the difficult issues very quickly 
Um, well, there's kind versus nice, isn't there? Yeah. And I think that's that's the difference. And that's the, a good way of putting it, actually. Kind versus nice. And the the other bit to sorry to uh, hijack your your clothes. <laughs> something up. else, right? I'd run out of points anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the other bit I really wanted to make was um, when I saw you do a keynote two or, two or three years ago, you had your each acronym. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, sometimes you, you see, I, I remember seeing Stephen Covey about 15 years ago, and he, he said about the importance of transparency. And there's not a week that goes by that I don't think about it. We talk about the A, which, if I remember rightly, this would be embarrassing if I get it wrong. Yeah, if you get about, it completely wrong. was about treating people as an adult. Yeah. And actually, that's it might sound really obvious and really simple, but it's actually been the biggest challenge because sometimes if someone's having a hard time, you just want to sort of like parent them almost. Yeah. But and I think also all- sometimes people, but you know, when we are, you know, when we are so called in the grip or we're stressed or whatever, then we can feel quite, we can behave quite child- in a childlike way. And it's very easy to slip into the, that dynamic of either caring parent or critical parent. And actually staying in that adult to adult piece is actually quite challenging. Yeah. I, I really love talking to you. Me too. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been great. And so good luck with it all. What's next for WOW? Where do you go next? Uh, so <laughs> so to be, you probably want to edit this bit out, but uh, I'm, taking, I'm taking two weeks off. I've, um, I've not really switched off since Christmas 2019. No. So, um, I, so I've, got, I've got a couple of weeks off. But actually what, what we're talking about at WOW is kind of like the post-pandemic opportunity, looking at what I know we're not out of it but by any stretch, but what does the world look like? But what, in terms of our team and our culture, what have we... Uh, what have we learned in the last 18 months from working remotely? And actually, most of our team, uh, like we've done a, a consultation, vast majority of our team now would prefer to be a, a remote worker first. Yeah. So w- what does that mean for us in terms of our culture? How can we how can we make our culture work remotely, but how can we make it even better, not just leveraging yeah. what and we I, have and before? And I think, um, yeah, well done for you for kind of going with this, you know, reflect a reflecting on what what's gone well what have you learned what can you take forward continuing with the kind of you know much more flexibility about where people work what i would advise is try not to think about days that you need to be in and think more about moments that matter so what are the moments that will sustain your culture and which of those moments that matter do you think are best done face to face um So one of our other clients did an exercise where they talked to their people and said, you know, which is, when you think about working here, what are the things, good and bad, what are the moments that stand out? So it's things like your first day, your last day, you're having a difficult issue, you know, whatever it might be, what are the moments that those critical moments of truth um, where the culture really matters and therefore which are those ma- moments that matter, moments of truth, which need to be done face to face. And I think that can be quite helpful that's as a as yeah. a mechanism so there you go there's an assignment bit of homework for you two weeks off <laughs> free free bit of advice thank you <laughs> thank you paul thanks lucy thank you so much and thanks to the guys at wow for everything that they do enough of an advert now and we will uh, no money we exchange hands in the making of this podcast <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for making the time and we'll see you soon thanks lucy bye thanks for listening to this podcast for more resources to help you change hr check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.